Okay, today we have another research breakdown. Um, me and Alex are going to be talking about this paper. The title of the paper is In Your Face, Facial Metrics Predict Aggressive Behavior in the Laboratory and in Varsity and Professional Hockey Players. This was written in Canada. I forget where exactly. Somewhere in Canada. That's all you need to know. Um, Ontario. Ontario. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the authors were Justin Carré. It's French. I don't know how you pronounce that. Carré. Oh. And uh, well, I assume it's French. Um, and Cheryl McCormick. So, um, yeah, this study had a lot of great stuff in it. And Alex is going to start us off, give us an overview, and then take us into the details. First off, I love like these like dramatic titles that the last paper, I think it was like facing a psychopath. And now this one's like in your face. Like, it's interesting. I, I don't think I've seen this kind of titles in like other um, genres of scientific research. But it's like it's like they just can't resist the puns and the jokes in the title. I know. I know it's funny. OK, so to start us off here. The the paper starts off by just going through some like background of like why it would evolutionarily make sense for a person to be able to predict behavioral traits of another person um, via their face, uh, how this kind of adaptation could have come about, things like that. Interesting stuff, but not not particularly related to what we're interested in. I will say, though, before we get into the nitty gritty, that the uh, the part I highlighted there at first where the example of women's judgments of the extent of which a man is interested in infants. Yeah. So they can yeah. predict that based on his face. I know. I, I don't know why that seems so significant, but that feels really significant for some reason. Yeah, I like the, the beginning of this mentioned just like a few different things that, you know, aren't super relevant to what we're talking about or to, you know, our interests right now, but they're very interesting uh, metrics they are talking about, like the uh, testosterone and uh, the attractiveness in males and how that relates to, um, like, you can actually tell that someone has more testosterone by looking at their face, that kind of thing. All the yeah. interesting stuff here. Yeah, yeah. And another one here that people could tell sh- some accuracy, they could accurately identify cheaters in a game based on facial photographs yeah like that Weird, right that, that yeah that's interesting well well maybe we'll go over that another time uh it's not particularly relevant to this paper though they're just giving a brief background of like why they're showing interest in this idea of predicting behavior via facial analysis um so in this paper they conducted three different studies I found it interesting that they did all three studies, but they only wrote one paper about it. But they are they are closely enough linked that it makes sense. So in the first study, they confirmed that you can tell facial width to height ratio based on photographs alone. And then after they determined that, they compared um, they compared the subject's results in various tests showing dominance and showing aggression. So they were treating dominance as one trait and aggression as a separate trait. So aggression and for the purpose of these three studies is also including reactive aggression, not just um, initiating aggression. Participants completed a 10 item questionnaire assessing trait, trait dominance. Okay, so so when they took the 10 item questionnaire assessing trait dominance, 
it's assessing dominant traits. It's just, it seems it's a weird way to word it anyways. Sorry. Gotcha. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and then, so they were treating trait dominance as a distinct metric from aggression, which is significant. And I think is important for us because as we've discussed previously, uh, supiners can be aggressive as well, but it's reactive aggression typically. Yeah, yeah. Study two, like we said, there were three different studies. And the second study, they, for the second and the third study, they were looking for the relationship between individual differences in facial height with the height ratio and whether or not it would predict aggressive behavior outside of the laboratory setting. Yeah. So in study two and three, they didn't take the dominance test. Trait dominance? In study really? one. Yeah. They only looked okay, so for aggression. This is this is just weird because, because okay, so like it says materials and methods, and it's talking about, yes, the participants, the face ratios, and then it's just talking about study one, study two, study three. Then why does it go into, it talks about trait dominance. Participants completed a 10-item questionnaire. What participants? Which The participants do- of study one. So the ones they took pictures of in the first study. So the first page is kind of going through, it's like a, it's like a glossary almost, maybe. Studies two and three, they did not take a dominance tr- test. And in studies two and three, what they were looking at was hockey players that they already had photographs that had been taken of them by other people. Yeah. And the hockey players didn't take any the hockey players didn't take any tests, right? They just uh they measured their aggression on the on the court. Right. For the hockey players, in both studies two and three, they were looking at how many penalty points they had per hockey player. And they were looking at the measurements of their faces, and they were looking to see if there was a relationship between the two. And these were varsity, meaning college, and pro hockey players, right? Study two was college, study three was pro. Exactly, exactly. So, in study one, like we said, they had their photographs taken. And then they were taken into rooms where they completed um, some the questionnaire. So some of the questions that were on this test were questions like a statement would be given saying, likes having authority over others. And then they would rate the truthfulness of that statement from negative two to positive two. So zero would be like neutral, negative two would be very inaccurate, and positive two would be very accurate. So this would be a good questionnaire for a uh, supine versus prone, I think. Um, yeah. That might be mm-hmm. something worth looking at. And then after they took that test, they had their pictures taken and they had their the ratios of their face met, measured accordingly. For all of this, there is just one specific facial feature they measured, right? That was busy, busy gomatic width. Um, or yeah, width to height ratio, which... Um, is the upper lip to the brow, right? That's right. That's right. So from the upper lip to the bottom of the brow. The bottom of the brow. And then the uh, width is the busygomatic width. So like that widest part of your um, cheekbones, like where your bone is and there's not much fat or skin. That's called the zygomatic arch. Yes. So from the right zygian to the left (laughs) zygian. (laughs) all right all right the results of study number one i won't go into nitty-gritty details of the kinds of tests that they did on the analysis because i don't completely understand it 
before they took the trait dominance test, they took the PSAP test, which is point subtraction aggression paradigm. So basically participants sat in separate rooms. So you're alone in a room um, and you do this test called the PSAP test. And so you have like three buttons in front of you and you are told that you are playing against another real human. Um, and so these three buttons are, um, well, actually, I'll tell you what can happen. So on the screen, you see your points and it indicates to you when you earn points and when you lose points. Now, when they lost points, they were told that that is because the opponent they're playing against is stealing points from them. And they're told that the opponent gains a point every time they, they, they're stealing a point from, um, from the subject. So like, it's like you, you, there's this imaginary person who's stealing a point from you and they get it for themselves. Now they get more money at the end of the test. Cause the test is about making money with more points. Um, but then the subjects were also told that you can steal points too, but you don't get to keep those points. All you're doing is just deducting points from your opponent. You're not giving any points to yourself. So like from a utilitarian standpoint, like all you want is points for you. You attacking your opponent does nothing to help you. So basically you have three buttons. You press the first button a hundred times and it gives you a point. Press the second button 10 times and it deducts a point from your opponent or press the third button 10 times and it will for a short time, uh, raise your defense as it were so that you can't get any points stolen and so one can be viewed as like you're trying to get points two is you're trying to penalize you're being aggressive towards your opponent because you're angry at them or whatever and then three is you being conservative and defending yourself um so really no one like logically you know from a utilitarian perspective no one should ever press the second button because that's not helping you whatsoever um it's not gaining you points you're not being rewarded differently if you have more points than your opponent it doesn't matter so um it's just one it's a, it's a way that they kind of like measure aggression i guess anyone who's pressing that button is doing so purely out of aggression they don't get any extra money from pressing that button all they're doing is preventing their opponent from getting money yeah and the important thing to so, note, notice here is also that there was no real human opponent it was just a computer on the other end yeah but the uh, the participants don't know that until yeah afterwards. you got to tell them it's a human because then they're they can you're not going to be as angry at a computer, I guess. <laughs> the results for study number one. Uh, first, they showed that men typically have a greater facial ratio than women. They scored higher on trait dominance. So they showed more dominant uh, traits on the uh, 10 question, the 10 item questionnaire. And they were also more aggressive than women. Um, these are all things I think anecdotal experience might have already suggested to us but it is interesting to see it all actually laid out with data um they didn't differ in the reward or into protection responses so they were equally conservative or non-conservative um and it wasn't that one person was hitting the button faster than the other it seems at least if i'm understanding this correctly I would think that uh I would think that wasting time being more aggressive would lead to having less points. So for men, the face ratio predicted about 15% of the variance in aggressive behavior. But trait dominance was not a significant predictor of aggression. So being more dominant did not predict whether or not you would be more aggressive. And again, I think that goes along with what we already thought uh and what we had talked about in prone versus supine. Um, how being more prone doesn't make you more aggressive necessarily. Um, in fact, there are many supine people that are aggressive, 
and I, if I recall correctly, your uh, your prison example. <laughs> right, right. Back when we were in the prone supine episode, we had yeah. Furthermore, the face ratio by a trait dominance interaction was not significant. For women, face ratio and trait dominance did not predict aggressive behavior, nor did the interaction. Right. So for study one, there was nothing useful for women. Is is basically what we're seeing, right? It was right. It was pretty like it was pretty diagnostic for men, like. It says Cohen's D, so that's that's just effect size. It's the and effect size for men. Um, the facial width to height ratio versus like aggression or whatever they're measuring. I mean, it's a decent effect size. It's a almost a large effect size. 0. 0.5, 0. 0.46. So 0. 0.5 for trait dominance. 0. 0.46 for aggression. So trait dominance and it says. And were more aggressive than women, yes. So the only the only interesting finding was that men's width to height ratio correlated with trait dominance, right? I mean, they're more aggressive than women. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything about um, the the PSAP test in the study one results, does it? So the aggression is they're basing that off the PSAP test. And the trait dominance, they're basing it off of the 10-item questionnaire. Okay, so they were more aggressive and more more uh, dominant based on their facial with the height ratio. Gotcha, okay. I missed the right, first right. sentence there. Um, yeah. No, no, I'm good. It's just interesting that it... You, so basically, we had pretty good effects for men and nothing significant for women on the um, PSAP and dominant um, questionnaire. Uh, oh, and... Okay, and the face ratio... By trait dominance interaction was not significant in men or in women. So for men, face face ratio predicted 15% of unique variance in aggressive behavior. And then it gives the, the p-value and all that. But trait dominance was not significant predictor of, of aggression. Furthermore, the face ratio by trait dominance interaction was not significant. For women, face ratio and trait dominance did not predict aggressive behavior, nor did the interaction. So face with the height ratio and study one only predicted aggressive behavior in men. Are you saying men were more aggressive based on their facial width to height ratio? That tracked? Aggression, not just trait dominance? Not trait dominance. Trait dominance did not track. But it says here in the beginning of study one results, it said, there is a main effect of gender. Men had a greater facial ratio scored higher on trait dominance and were more aggressive than women. Right. So men had a greater face ratio than women. Men had a higher trait dominance than women, and men were more aggressive than women. But when looking at the men independently of the women, face with the height ratio did not track with dominance. This is just a weird study, I feel like. It's like, why are you... Come on, let's... I don't know. Okay, so study two. We'd just like to take this moment to give a special thank you to everyone on Patreon that's been supporting us through this time. It's been an excellent motivation for us to uh, to have you guys there supporting us, you know, giving us your feedback. Uh, we appreciate the help. Because of you guys, we are better able to do research and to provide factual information to you. Uh, thank you again, guys. And please, if you are not on Patreon yet and you'd like to get a special look at some previews, first look at blog posts, first look at footnotes for our episodes... Please, please, check us out on Patreon. All right, guys. Thank you. See you soon.
Honestly, I did not like the way this this paper was organized. It was a pain trying to keep track of which study had which result. Yeah, I'm just not realizing it's kind of messy. Uh, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in set both studies two and three, the penalty minutes that each player accrued per number of games played was obtained. And then they use that as a measure of aggression. Um, so penalties include behaviors like slashing, cross-checking. A lot of these I don't these terms I don't understand because I don't I'm not into hockey. Right. Um, but high sticking, boarding, elbowing, checking from behind, fighting, and so on. Um and then they ignored any penalties from goalies because I guess goalies are not very much in a position to to have penalties. Yeah. It's probably um, worth noting too that hockey is known for its fights and aggression. Like that's lots of why reason people watch hockey. And you know, people it could be a little bit performative at times. I think is the the fighting in hockey. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I bet it's real, but at the same time, it's like in basketball, you like really don't want to get any fouls. But in hockey, it's like the more. The more aggressive you are, the more popular you get. You might be worth more to other team. I don't know. It's it's a little. The incentives are different, definitely in hockey versus like basketball, for instance. So yeah, you know, definitely just worth mentioning. Definitely. So these behaviors meet the classic definition of aggressive behavior. Yada yada yada. Any act that intended to harm another individual, who in turn is motivated to avoid the behavior. So results for study two, which was the varsity hockey players. The individual differences in face racial to male hockey players explained 29.2% of the variance in penalty minutes per game played. So again, they did not measure for trait dominance here. They only measured for aggression in studies two and three. And study two, 29.2% of the variance was explained using facial width to height ratio. Does that make sense? You look perturbed. Well, I guess so. 29.2% of the variance in penalty minutes per game played. Okay. I guess I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't know how you'd quantify that. Anyways, go on. Sorry. In study three, the differences in with the height ratio uh, explained a significant proportion of the variance in aggressive behavior. Separate correlation coefficients were also computed. You're going to have to help me with that because I don't know what that means. All correlation and coefficients and we're in the positive direction and range from 0.17 to 0.51. Well, positive correlations are good. That means they're correlated. But as far as the coefficients, yeah, I don't. Uh, there's a bit of math that goes into all uh, research papers like this that I'm not familiar with. So positive correlation means that as one thing goes up, the other thing goes up. That's the, that's that's the one important thing I know. <laughs> so I guess my question about study two results is it says individual differences in face ratio in male hockey players explain 29.2% of the variance in penalty minutes per game played. Okay, I, I get what they're saying, but how on earth would you measure that? I'm assuming there's math involved, and this isn't meant to be taken literally, but on a statistical point of view. This person's face is 29.2% wider, so they, I don't know. I guess I would just like to know how they came to that number. It's kind of, whatever. I'm chunking down when I shouldn't be, sorry. <laughs> The, the way I interpret it, and maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, and maybe someone will tell us later in the Reddit, that if your face is wide, you are 29.2% more likely to have high penalty minutes. Define wide. That's my problem, is because wider, like, how, yeah. Because wider faces should result in more penalty minutes. Anyways, 
whatever. <laughs> okay, so discussion. Um, there's a lot of fluff in the discussion. It's a lot of the same stuff that was actually in the um, in the introduction. So I will skip most of it. So in the sample that they took, there was no relationship between trait dominance and aggressive behavior. That's something that lines up with physiotype. I don't think that changes any our worldviews very much there. Just because you're prone doesn't necessarily make you more aggressive. And just because you're supine doesn't necessarily make you less aggressive. Um, individual differences in trait dominance were associated with in were associated with self-report measures of trait aggression in both men and women in other studies, but they did not do that in this study. Yeah. Um, Main takeaway at the end, they say, the novel finding of the present study is that individual differences in facial characteristics predict behavior. Something that's also interesting to me is that it did so in men, but not really in women. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Um, So yeah, like this paper supports our hypothesis that being prone makes you more dominant, but it doesn't make you necessarily more aggressive. So that's supported in this in the findings of this paper. And the other interesting thing is that, uh, well, the one metric they had was facial width to height ratio. Apparently, that makes you more aggressive. Generally, is was what this paper shows, and a few others that we'll talk about later. So that's not something that physiotype predicted, right? That FE is more aggressive than fi i mean i i'm not against that but that's not something we had predicted or was in our model right right it's definitely not something we had thought about previously um and yeah to, just to uh, to reiterate um we associate a higher facial width to height ratio with being feti yeah so you know metasapine or metaprone um i'm not surprised that uh people with FE could be more aggressive. That makes sense because if you have FE, that means you are by definition more concerned with group, uh, group dynamics. If you're more concerned with group dynamics, you're going to be more aggressive. I mean, I can, I'll, I'll, I would totally buy that. I'm not, I'm not against that at all. I, I can too. I can too. Um, I haven't, I haven't given it much thought previously. I will say, I'm trying to think of some anecdotal examples for and against this case. Um, well, back when we were talking about serial killers and what types serial killers were, what types were um, the serial killers that we were looking at? I don't recall. Was it STP mostly? It was mostly STP. It mm-hmm. was mostly STP. And there were, there were SFPs, but the SFP serial killers were like like that one guy that um that was killing everyone with morphine that's like mm. the most non-violent way humanly possible to be a serial killer that was a man who was killing people with morphine yeah oh, wow meanwhile you've got like ted bundy being feti yeah and a lot of other guys that were feti mostly stps but i, I think we had agreed that ted bundy was nfj right oh i thought he was stp same 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 difference same difference, depending on, no, depending on function stack, you know, it's isomorphs, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I bet that is true. Um, it's just not something that was kind of like official in our model that, yeah, FE is probably more aggressive. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about at all lately is we should do like an entire episode about this, but the, the fact that 
all suicide bombers or virtually all of them are SFPs. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like what? That's, that's one of the most consistent findings in physiotype. It's not, it's not a formal finding, but, uh, all of, all of the ones that we, we, we've looked at have been SFP. And so I, I think the reason why it is like, okay, so like F E T I or T I F E, um, makes sense. You're more aggressive, like group dynamics. You're more into, you pay attention to other people so you can get angry at other people easier. Sure. And then F I, uh, to kill yourself for a cause is you have to have just a level of spiritual spiritualism and inner moral code so incredibly strong that I think it's it would be rare for someone as meta as an FETI or TIFE even to kill themselves for a cause. Um, yeah. I, I think it makes sense that FIs are almost all suicide bombers are FI because they have this inner moral compass. They have this uh, inner, this, they have this very clear inner world of that includes morals and uh, all this stuff going on. The, the thing they've made up in their head is very real to them. Yeah, I would agree. You have to be decoupled from reality a little bit to kill yourself for a cause. And FI and NI are good at that. Something else that's interesting here is that with the height ratio was predictive for aggression, but only in men. Now, of the three studies, only one of them looked at women. But the fact that with the height ratio wasn't very predictive for aggression in women. uh, You know, if we're to take if we're to take the 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 results here at face value, like that's that's pretty significant to our model because. Up until now, we've been assuming that with the height ratio would be associated with FETI in general. Um, but this shows that either A, women who are FETI are not as likely to be aggressive as men who are FETI. Or B, with the height ratio isn't indicative of FETI in women. Yeah, it could be. It could be that... Men with FETI are aggressive because they're more socially conscious, like we already discussed. But women are also equally more socially conscious, but they're psychologically less prone. You know, they're softer psychologically. So I don't know. Maybe you have to, it's a combination of you have to be kind of prone, at least uh, psychologically prone. And you have to be FE slightly, at least to be aggressive. And maybe most women just aren't uh, hard enough. I don't know. It's it's one study. There was fifty one women though. That's a decent sample size. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't a small. It wasn't a small amount of people that they used. It's interesting. I I think I think it's definitely something to keep in mind as we keep reading these. Like, with the height ratio, may or may not be as predictive of FE in women as we originally thought. The FE women I can think of. I can think of a lot of them that don't have a wide face. And I can at least think of a couple of FI people that do have wider faces. Hmm. But I don't know. Again, that's anecdote. Interesting. Uh, I, it'd be good to like look at a bunch of people that we've previously typed as FE because of other reasons and see if they also have a wide face specifically in the women. Yeah, for sure. So the study was positive for us. 
it was mildly positive, you know, um, right. The, the hockey studies really were the, 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 I think the best ones, it seems like as far as aggression, I mean, it doesn't support physiotype, but it supports craniofacial typing. So we'll have to modify physiotype possibly to make it reflect reality more. But basically the, the point here is that uh, craniofacial typing works to an extent. Mm-hmm. It also supports our previous ideas that prone is not associated with aggression necessarily, at least in the FETI scale. Here we've proved that psychological proneness is not related to aggression because they didn't actually measure the eyebrows, right? We're assuming that they're also, right. which they probably are. They are probably more physically prone, but yes. So I agree. Just throwing in a random caveat. What I thought was really cool is just like the general discussion. Um, I learned a few things I didn't realize, like from studies in the past, like uh, people who look more masculine have higher levels of testosterone. Um, crazy, right? Uh-huh. No, it'd be really cool is just to, I would love to just do a blood panel on all the different types. Like that would be great, right? Um, just check levels of testosterone. I mean, testosterone is a big one, but there might be a few other ones that that also might be indicative of type as well. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, generally we, we would think that, like, what's the most masculine type? Like, uh, STP NFJ, right? Especially STP. So like FETI is definitely more masculine than FITE, right? We're definitely agreed that those functions are more masculine. And then I also kind of feel like NISE is a bit more masculine than NESI, too. I agree. So it'd be interesting to uh, to check that out to see. like. Yeah. I mean, we've we've discussed anecdotal examples of like other physiological differences like FI people with FI seeming to have a higher likelihood of like circulation issues. Pins and needles on their fingertips, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, F- FI people are more prone to, like, all kinds of weird diseases, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Seems like. I mean, just, like, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. So another, th- like, to be more specific, we always say that um, MESA people or um, NISE have lower labiomental creases. Right. Um, and, oh, a lower the lower your labiomental creases the uh the more manly you are for sure like if you ever see someone with a big old chin manly manly chin it's almost impossible to imagine them having a high labiomental crease but also a big manly chin like i don't it doesn't it didn't make any sense almost <laughs> yeah 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 they usually have like these nice like flat like these long indentations in the chin the only the only example is like the like the super caricatured like chin jutting straight out that's huge yeah that so would be like a the hook nose that would be like a high labiumental crease big chin and kind of masculine i guess but not it doesn't look that masculine though like not compared to like the rectangular huge jaw you can't tell the difference from the jawbone and the chin and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i wonder how um how difficult it is to test testosterone levels I'm gonna Google at home testosterone test. You, I think you can do it from uh, saliva swab. I don't think you need blood. Yeah, they um, that's what they did in the or they referenced a study where they did saliva swabs. Is there a home test for testosterone levels? Google says yes. Well, that might be on our to do list. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I almost feel like there is like a lot of um, 
thoughts going on in the back of their head as they wrote this because they're constantly talking about like the the sexual dimorphism of busy gomatic wit but i don't know why really they like they that seems important to them but then it never actually really like comes out very much in the paper i don't know well it comes out in study one where facial width didn't predict anything in women which is yeah uh you know lends credence to their hypothesis that this is because of sexual dimorphism okay okay yeah you're right that that would make sense i guess oh i have a psa i guess you can include this or not if it seems seems right not a psa but they uh has nothing to do with this specific episode since we're winding down anyways um i like the comment that um what's his face gave us on reddit that was uh useful ah yes what's his face physiotype critiques um thanks for responding to that I think we need to indicate to our audience that almost everything that goes on in, in the podcast is a very creative model. Um, we're just like spitballing here. We're we're think we think that we're eighty percent correct, uh, and then the goal is to you know scientifically prove things actually. Um, and lots of times we'll do analogies um, that are like hyperbolic. Like for instance, in one of our episodes, we were talking about um, a phone, um, like someone's going to be better at tracking apart a phone and someone's going to be better at using a phone. Um, this is actually a different comment, but but the guy was like, well, that makes sense for me because I have taken apart phones before and I'm this type. So that makes sense. But um, like as if we're actually saying that these types are always more likely to take apart their phone and like that is always be the case. This is a problem of us being very universal and assuming that everyone assumes that we're using analogies that may or may not relate to reality, um, which is a bad habit on our part. And we should probably do less. But yes, I agree. This is a good disclaimer to have because I'm sure we're going to do it again. I was just taken aback because I was like, what? There was. I thought it was so obvious that I was not like he actually believed that I was indicating that uh, meta people will always take apart their phones or something or like they're always more likely to take apart their phones and that like you've you're disproving our hypothesis if you're meta and you haven't taken apart your phone or something like no it's just like it's just like a random like analogy just to like kind of get the point point across <laughs> yeah 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 we're too universal sometimes i guess we need to have more uh <laughs> i had someone um irl uh give me a similar comment actually um she wasn't she wasn't talking about phones specifically but she was like i like to take out I like to take apart things so and so and you said I'm an SFP and I had to re I had to re-emphasize that analogies first off and secondly like we're talking about statistically like yeah. even if we were saying that the phone thing was accurate we would be saying it's accurate on a statistical yeah uh level not not that it's predictive of an individual behavior this goes back to our local universal episode where me and you were talking about an argument you had with a friend <laughs> and you're saying on average blah 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 and he's like nope here's an anecdote and you're like what <laughs> yeah so i guess yeah, we need to yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to broaden our uh delivery so that people who are not as universal as us are also understanding what we're trying to say i guess yeah we need to qualify our statements more i think we i think i think we've done an okay job at qualifying but we we can probably be better about it if you guys are interested about the comment, go check out the subreddit. Subreddit plug. Go read it. Yep. So I guess I'll re- reiterate. Uh, yeah, I guess what I was trying to say, I was kind of gathering my thoughts in my head, is um, 
me and Alex are doing a ton of modeling right now and a tiny bit of science. Um, and modeling is useful because you're kind of like getting closer to reality slowly and creatively. And the science is just testing to see whether it's true or not. So like we're going to say a lot of we're going to talk modeling a lot, talk about models a lot um, just because we have to is where we're at with physiotype right now. And um, we could absolutely totally be wrong about lots of the modeling and we don't care because we're just trying to create a model and then test it. Um, so we, we don't we don't care that we're wrong right now. Sorry. We, yeah. we, we do. We do care about having a correct model. <laughs> we just we're not yes. personally invested in the validity of our current model. We are totally fine with something being wrong and changing it Correct. as research, as we read yeah. more research papers, as we do more testing, etc. And I think um, arguments about modeling and theory are slightly useful, but like you're not going to convince someone that your model is correct and theirs is wrong or that your theory is correct and theirs is wrong because it's just like nonstop hand waving from both sides. Like if I try and if I disagree with someone else about like MBTI theory, what do I, how do I prove that I'm right? I c couldn't possibly because it's a, it's just this messy, uh, you know, abstraction that we've created that we're arguing about and we're not going to get anywhere. So I think it's like, it's good to exchange ideas, but uh, I'm not going to take any critiques towards a model seriously. So feel free to criticize, but also realize that I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to provide a lot of, uh, evidence to prove myself right because i don't have any <laughs> <laughs> hopefully my rambling made sense I, I don't think it did i'll I'll, uh, I'll cut and paste to make yeah it, exactly uh all of this episode is just colby talking and then alex restitching the words together to make sense <laughs> sorry i guess today's not my day <laughs> um no i think you're right though i think it makes a lot of sense what you're saying um I I guess the way I look at it is I enjoy talking about I enjoy talking about the theory a lot. Yeah. And I welcome the uh, the critiques. Yeah. I think they're fun to read and I think they're fun to answer to. Yeah. Um but like I said in the comment, like we are trying to keep our theory officially as simple as humanly possible. Yeah. So like we're talking about here, like oh, FI is so much more spiritual and has such deeper, uh, you know, uh, um, moral values that it holds deep in its heart. Like that may or may not not be true. I think it's true, but that's not something we are officially testing for right now. And it's not something that we can have a productive argument about either. Because <laughs> if someone says "nah" -uh and gives all these reasons for it, it's like, okay, thanks for like the feedback is good, but like. I'm not going to be invested in an argument about two different theories because we're not going to get anywhere. So yeah, I, I want the feedback, but I can't, I'm just not going to have a lot of energy to, you know, argue is all. It's okay. I have the energy to, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe not argue, but to, to respond, to defend, to defend <laughs> the theory. A big issue is, is like, is this, a lot of it becomes a semantical argument Yeah. because, well, like the discussion I was having, you know, that we referenced earlier, like, uh, he brought some really interesting points that I enjoyed reading a lot. Yeah. Um, but it, there were certain issues that were definitely like semantical issues, like how he's he or she defines a function versus how we are defining a function. Oh, yeah. Um, and we are expecting to have these differences because, again, we're trying to keep our definitions as simple as possible uh, for the sake of testing. You know, we we can't we can't. 
you know, we can talk about how we feel like uh, supine types are more likely to feel emotional, but that's not something we want to test right now. What we want to test is that supine types are more agreeable. Yeah. You know? And if later on we find out they're more emotional too via testing, that'll be fantastic. And that'll make me feel like, oh man, I was right. My anecdotes made sense. Yeah. But if if it ends up not being the case, then all that tells me is, oh, my anecdotes weren't representative of reality. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a that's a good way to put it. The way I view it is like uh yeah, my theory is it's a soft theory and lots of components could be wrong, but I'm not highly interested in getting a highly accurate theory because we're shooting for accuracy, not precision. We don't need it to be like this in-depth super explanatory thing right now. What we need is for it to actually represent reality. So that's why we're not creating these super in-depth definitions for the functions, you know, like like with FI. And I I'll, I do plan on like writing out definitions and putting them on the blog at some point very soon. But like, you know, we could write FI to be this has great moral compass, super meza, uh, has super high spiritual beliefs, blah, 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 blah. But we're choosing for now to just keep it at highly agreeable, um, low interest in individual properties, um, and just keeping it at that because that can be easily proven correct or incorrect. Yep. Uh, saying that they have a deep spiritual psyche. Yeah. Like, and we'll def we'll definitely like go over the line with that because we do believe more advanced we have more advanced hypotheses about all the functions that we're nowhere close to proving right now, but it's like, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep these hypotheses because it works for me so far. And, but well, at the same time, we'll test everything that we possibly can. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And hopefully with, and when we get the time and resources to prove our simple definitions, then yeah. we can move on to, uh, you know, yeah. Elaborating. Exactly. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you have something to say and you'd like to uh, give us some feedback, please leave a review for us in any of the podcasting apps that you listen with. It helps us help you. Also, leaving a review helps us get noticed by the algorithm so we can reach even more people like you. And if you don't have the time or you aren't able to write out a full review for us, that's fine. Just click whatever star rating you think we deserve and we will be more than happy with that. Thank you again, guys. See you in the next episode.